As I mentioned, all are so very welcome here this morning, especially those of you who are perhaps visitors or uh, coming uh, a little bit irregularly, but one in particular I'd wish to express my particular appreciation. My priest brother is here concelebrating this morning, Father Frank Malloy from priest of the Diocese of Milwaukee who works as a chaplain with our um, retired servicemen and women at the VA hospital in Tampa, St. Petersburg. There's something about Easter that the more we think about it, in some ways, the more it is a challenge to our human experience, and it makes real concrete for us what is the challenge of faith and belief. We're kind of at a, a, a line to be crossed here between belief being simply a feeling and belief being something very substantial, something that goes to the heart of who and what we are, and the resurrection is there. I wonder if it hasn't been made even more clear for us in recent months and maybe even in recent days. There's those haunting pictures of those Christians in orange jumpsuits kneeling on the beach as they're about to be executed by the ISIS. And those who can speak Arabic could see on their lips only the words Jesus Christ or Jesus is Lord. There was no cowering, there was no fear, but they all knew what was coming. Similarly, we heard about the killings in Kenya in the last week, separate the Christians from the non-Christians and kill them. And it comes down really to this. In those moments, do they believe in the resurrection? Do we believe in the resurrection? Because if it were not for that, what would be the point of belief, of going through everything that they went through? And if it's not that dramatic, we have our own experience of it. We go to visit the graves of loved ones, or maybe we think about the end of our own lives, and our experience is one and one thing only. And that is that no one comes back from death. It's what death is in our human experience. It's final. It's a one-way street. So our faith in Easter, our faith in Jesus' resurrection, becomes real faith because it is not knowledge. It is something completely outside of our experience. It is something even in prayer that we can only imagine. And perhaps our first imagination of it is somewhat minimal. Think, for example, of someone you have loved who has died. And you probably start with your thoughts of that person at the same age and state that you last knew them, that you last saw them. In that sense, sort of a coming back to life directly as they last were. But there's problems with that. I don't know if you saw the story the other day about the 114-year-old woman, the oldest known person in the world who just passed away. Is that how she'll come back? I would hope I wouldn't come back at 114. 
But that's the question of the resurrection, isn't it? The alternative, if it is not to imagine that, is in prayer to imagine the resurrection as sort of one of our fantasy stories or movies, basically the idea of a ghost, the idea of a projection, sort of modeled on who the person once was. But it is good for us, in fact, to try and imagine the resurrection. It is good for us to think about that because it is what each one of us is called to, that hope, that imagination of what is to come. It keeps us from living as so many do, people who live only for the here and now, people seeking only pleasure and advantage, but people who ultimately are without real hope. As we look around, do we not live in a society that actually fears aging and fears death? Every Easter we are reminded that even those first believers, the ones who had spent all that time with Christ walking the hillsides, seeing those miracles, getting to know him in that bodily, personal sense, even they had the challenges of faith. But the Gospels take the opportunity and take great pains to correct the record of from where they started to where they ended up. The Gospel tells us, for example, of Mary Magdala. She goes to the tomb only rooted in an, e in an earthly experience. She wants to look for the dead body. We don't know where they have put him. But her coming to faith shows us that the resurrection is something completely new. They did not understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. Peter in the Acts of the Apostles dispels any notion of that, that fantasy, that ghost, that phantom. We ate and drank with him after he rose. We will see in reading the Gospels that Jesus' friends who don't recognize him and then recognize him. We will see in the Gospels Christ come and go in a new way, going through walls, locked doors, and then disappearing. St. Paul says that the grain of wheat, the body, must die so that it will rise up and produce the fruit that you and I ultimately want and long for. Because if it's not out there, this life, this life really isn't worth living. Taken together then, we need to think about the resurrection and some points for our faith. First of all, it is real. Our faith, however we have gotten to this point, is ultimately a chain of witnesses. It began not with a proof and not with a scientific proof, but with those who had seen the resurrection telling others. And then as they died, those they had told told others, and so on and so on. We may talk about things like our Catholic schools and our education programs and our television and our apps and our social communication, but in the end it is this. Witnesses who saw the resurrected Christ passing it on generation through generation. 
does it not really come down to this? Family members witnessing to Christ one to the other, friends telling each other about it, and most especially with so many of our young people here today, parents, it is you passing on to your children the witness that there is something after life, that he is risen, that he has overcome death for us. We believe then also that that testimony had some broad conclusions and descriptions about it, that Christ in that resurrected moment was not the same. He was glorified. He was like us, he was himself, but he was different. There was something here that was totally new, something that the world had not seen before, something perhaps you and I must wait to see clearly and directly but it is no less real for all of that. We note that as a part of faith and in the Gospels, the testimony that we are given, the descriptions that we are given about Jesus does not even attempt to describe everything about him. It leaves certain elements of generality and then elements that are unsaid. It leaves room for faith that we should take that step of believing and then entrusting our lives to Jesus based in the resurrection. It is a trusting and hopeful wait and see. It means ultimately that there is real hope for us, for our lives, for the world, for our children. There is a real hope that we shall live beyond the frightening moment of death and perhaps more consoling, there is a real hope that we shall see each other again if we are faithful. It is not automatic. Christ came to show us the way, but there is left to us that choice, that decision, we must follow the way. But if we do, Easter Sunday reminds us that there is that hope. Think about that in the most personal relationship you had with whoever has died and gone before you. Is it your parents? Is it your grandparents? Is it your child? Is it a friend? And the fact that we can have that deepest hope that we shall see them again, we shall laugh again, we shall be with them, with God. This ultimately means that life, that our moral values and choices, that all of our decisions, they are all geared to one thing. It is to getting to that moment of the resurrection. It colors everything that we do. And so that is the message as the bell starts to ring and it's Easter Sunday and the lilies are out and we're here gathered. Have hope. Teach your children. Live, decide, vote, act as people who know who you are and where you are going. And where we are going is toward the tomb and toward the resurrection. A very blessed and happy Easter to each and every one and to your families.